listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube. We are in part three in this service right now of a three-part series we've been doing over the last couple of weeks in our church on the title, You Tell Donna. The subtitle is really the title, and the subtitle is, It's Why We Do What We Do. But you kind of got to get a bit New York on it, so you got to say like, it's why we do what we do. So it's why we do what we do, people. So we're talking at the moment in our church about why we do what we do. And this message today is the third installment, and it's going to be a lot of Bibles. It's going to be like a big Bible study. So I want to kind of give you the crux of the message before we even get started. So if you're taking notes, you should. They've done surveys. People who do take notes go to heaven. It's unanimous. If you took notes in the sermon, you made it into heaven. So go ahead. Get your tickets short. Uh, let me give you just three little McNugget points on this message so you can then kind of check out and check your Instagram feed. Not that anybody would do that while I'm preaching. The first thing that you need to know about this talk today is that every person has a gift. Second thing, God gave them that gift. And thirdly, God expects us to use our gift to build His church. Okay, from the top again, everybody has a gift. It's not an accident here in this talk today. Not a mistake, not a leftover. Nobody is without something special. Everybody has a gift. Number two, you have a gift because God gave it to you. God had a reason why He made you and He entrusted each of us with something special and we call it a gift. Are you with me? Thirdly, God expects us to use our gift to build His church. That's, that's the message. A church grows larger through Sundays, as lost people find Jesus, we call that around here encounter. That was our topic in the first part of the series, encounter. When lost people find Jesus in our Sunday services, the church grows larger. The church then becomes more whole through life groups. You will not increase in your life as a believer alone, impossible. The second part of this message series is a must for every person. If you missed the service, please go on YouTube, go on our podcast, download either an audio or video, watch that message. But I promise you, the moment you are doing life without a small group of believers in your journey, you will stop growing and your wholeness will not increase. We need others. God designed us that way. And a church becomes more whole and more people grow in their Christian life when they are in community with a small group of people. So we've got encounter, we've got community. And then today we're talking about mission. A church is more, grows larger through Sundays, more whole through life groups and more able through people who are part of the team. That's the way it works. When we use our gifts and talents that God has given to us to build the church, then we can reach more people with the love of God. This is a club that the moment you join it, it's not about you anymore. That's what it's all about, encounter, community, and mission. With that in mind, let's turn to our first text this morning, Ephesians and the fourth chapter, beginning in verse one. 
Apostle Paul is writing and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You have been called by God. We touched on this passage on the last Sunday before conference. Verse two, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body. Someone shout one. one. I didn't hear you, Tron. Shout one. one. Much better, Christchurch. Shout one. one. Somebody in their bedroom. Shout one. I heard them all the way from Dubai. All right. There is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, through all. Verse seven, however, He has given to each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scripture says, he, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and He gave gifts to people. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip everybody to do His work and to build the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love that. Then we will no longer be, like, be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I love that. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Jesus, like Jesus, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes us, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of Love, an amazing passage of Scripture. In this incredible passage of Scripture, and we're talking about the power of the fact that God gave you a gift, we learn firstly in verse 1 that we were all made for a reason. It says, man, lead a life worthy of your calling. In other words, you're here for a purpose. God had a reason in mind when He made you. Then in verse 2, He's basically saying, don't allow how you live to be in opposition to the reason why you're here. If you've got a calling in this direction, then don't live in that direction because you're just gonna live a diminished and frustrated life. Then in verses three and four, we discover so clearly that we're all in this together as one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Basically, you are my brother and sister. We are all in this together. There is a, the reason why you are here is the same reason why I am here. We are in this as a crew, a posse. We are together. We rise together and we fall together. Then 
in verses 7 through 12, the passage has a little segue and it begins to say, well, you know what? As much as we are all one, each one of us has been given a gift by God. And then in verse 13, it says, when everybody takes the gift that God has given to them and they use it for God's glory, well, then the church is able to fulfill the potential that God has for it. Put it on the flip side, what our text is saying, if, if we are God's body and He gave each one of us a gift and we don't use it, then we'll always be immature. We'll never reach real unity. We'll never fulfill the potential that God has for the church. So put it all in a nutshell, every person has a gift. God gave you the gift and God expects us all to use that gift so together we can build His church. Are you with me today? All right, jump now to the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians and in chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. Same theme, different, massive passage. And I'm reading out a very small section of three whole chapters devoted to this topic, this topic. We have a gift, God gave us a gift, He expects us to use His gift. Verse seven, a spiritual gift has been given to each one of us. Why? So we can help each other. A spiritual gift has been given to each one of us, the purpose being so we can help each other. In other words, you're all X-Men. Everybody here in this talk today is an X-Man. I was looking for better language for that, like X-People, but it's only the X-Man movie, but there are X-Women in the X-Men movie, so... Don't blame me, blame Marvel. But anyway, you are all X-Men, all X-People. You all are, you are all been given a special gift, a special gift. God gave you something. You are a superhuman. Uh, verses uh, eight goes on and, and talks about how the gift God gave you is supernatural in nature. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge to the same spirit. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern between a message that is from the spirit of God and from another spirit. Still another person, we've just gone one, one, other people everywhere. Another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. I need that when my wife speaks. And then verse 11, it says it is the one, she's not here. So it is the one and only spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. In other words, man, this whole thing is saying, well, your gift is supernatural in nature. Then, then it's basically saying it's a different supernatural empowerment that God's given to each one of us. That's why you are all, we are all so very, very different. And then it goes, man, and you know what? Just get it straight. If you like somebody else's gift, that's because God gave that to them. So stop trying to cover what somebody else has got and just start discovering what's the grace that you gave me. God alone gets to decide what gift we have. So the greatest favor we can do ourselves, in fact, you know, if I can say it to you this way, stop looking at my Instagram feed 
And I have to stop looking at your Instagram feed because at the end of the day, God's not saying, did you live a life like they lived? He's saying, did you, did you fulfill the potential I gave to you? Each one of us has got to use that gift God gave uniquely to us and putting it a different way, we all have a different role to play. So therefore, we need to be thankful for everyone. We need to value everyone and give equal esteem to every believer. Listen, that is using the gift God gave to them. I mean, man, let's read on and let's break down how practically the Bible tells us this. In verse, verse 12, it says, the human body has many parts, but the, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's the church, right? Verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, but not, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make him a less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, it would look weird. I'm sorry, uh, if the whole body were an eye, it would be a horror movie. If the whole body were an eye, it would be very strange. And how would it hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Anybody want to be the nose? I can't really smell that good. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part where he wants it. That's pretty awesome, eh? How strange would a body be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. We all need each other. And we all need everybody else to do what God has called them to do. If it doesn't work, we're either all in for the win or none of us are winning. Man, the Bible goes on even more, you know, for those who think like, you know, one gift is really to be valued, you know, you know, singing, big things, you know, crowd-worthy things, and then other things are insignificant. Check out what the Bible says. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. That's awesome, isn't it? And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special attention. So God has put the body together such that extra care, extra honor are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the believers. So all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So the Bible's saying, man, this is not a solo deal. This is not just a few people who make the church happen. This is an all-in for the win group. And when every part does what it is gifted to do, not uniquely one person being special, but when everybody uses the gift God has given them, then this thing works. But... If we don't give honor to every part and dignity to every contribution, then we can't do what God wants us to do. I mean, I'll just give you a great example. I was uh, on Friday night 
at the youth rally for our Wellington campus. It's been part of three rallies we've done uh, across uh, Christchurch, Hamilton, and Wellington with Reggie Dabs. And, and the, the auditorium was packed out with teenagers, and a lot of them have come from schools. And, and Reggie really you know, comes from a lot of brokenness. So kids of many different backgrounds came to this rally because they just feel drawn by him. Reggie is definitely going to heaven. Some other Christians I'm not sure about, but... Reggie just, he just loves people and it oozes out of him and the lost and broken are just drawn to him like a magnet. So, well, it was just, it wasn't the easiest. You know, when you got all church kids, they just sit still, you know what I'm saying? When they're not church kids, they don't sit still, okay? That's where it starts and it kind of goes on from there and creates challenges. Well, I just watched, I mean, I was in awe of our youth team. Now, I'm not talking about our staff, although I brag about them all over the world. I'm talking about our youth leaders here at Arise. I'm talking about these mums and dads, you know, that came from as far away as Carpety and Upper Hutt to just serve. That's a 45 minute drive, by the way, for those of you who are not from Wellington, from Upper Hutt to, to Wellington Central. It's a 45 minute drive on a Friday night. And here were these youth leaders. I mean, they're dealing with crowd control, kids that, you know, didn't really want to sit down, moving rows every 10 seconds. And here are these people that never take the stage, never have really, you know, and listen, they weren't just trying to, they weren't just doing people care. They were pastoring, leading, solving problems, putting, you know, th things in place. Tom Carter and Ginny got married on Saturday and Tom was there till the bitter end of that night, kind of like looking after this place, keeping it under control. I had teenagers that would not listen to me, but they were obeying Tom has everything to do with physical size. I felt like Frodo Baggins next to Gandalf, but he, he has way more authority in that context than I do. And we could say, well, you know, what we need for every problem is, is a pastor or a preacher. No, no, we need, we need Tom to do, that's just part of his capacity, but Tom to do what he does and these amazing female youth leaders to do what they do and these, these mums and dads that were there to do what they did. And really the stage content was like the icing on a cake that had been built by a group of people that were using their gifts and talents. And because of that, a hundred plus decisions just on that night, leaving out Christchurch and Hamilton, many, many hundreds of people have come to faith in the last few days because of people using what God has put in their hands to do. It's amazing. And then this closes out, that, that passage I just read out to you, closes out like a beautiful symphony in verse 10, 26, where it says, and all the parts are glad together. We're all winning together. Now jump over me to Romans. Let's go to one more. I want you to just get this. This is my message. This is not a preamble. This is the message. So relax, you'll get, you'll get to have a meal soon. In, in verse three of Romans 12, it says, because of the privilege and authority, He's setting this up. God has given me. I give each of you a, a warning. So he's like, man, just realize I'm not, I'm not just nice Pete here. I'm Apostle Peter, right? But because of my authority, I'm telling you this. Don't think you're better than you really are. Don't do that. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part is a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and, and we all belong to each other. Okay. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So what I do well is not what you do well. 
We've just got to know what we do well and then do that, right? So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as much as you have the faith as God gives, has given you. As much as faith, as, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, talk to me after I preach. If your gift is giving, <laughs> what? Oh, it doesn't say that. Give generously to, to the Arise Center would be brilliant. If God has given you a leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. It's not just about the fact that you can get other people to do what you want them to do. Where are you leading them? That's what he's saying. Man, it's, it's, it's a big entrustment. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't see your tenderness of heart as being a lesser valued gift than a strong leader over here. Because if we only have strong leaders and we don't have compassionate people, it's just an awful place, awful place to be. Why do I know? Because it's like our church office sometimes. You know, what, what this passage is saying is saying, is saying, first up, it's too much laughter in this service right here. It's saying, first up, man, let's just get it clear. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Because the tendency for us in our lives, the tendency for us in our lives is to value somebody else's contribution and to value our gifting and put them on the same level. And the Bible's saying, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Think about what you're doing. It's saying it's not about an estimation. It's about a quantitative evaluation. God's saying the, the, the way you work out how awesome you are is not by saying, well, man, when they sing, they're awesome. You know, when they do this, they're awesome. And people come out with like, almost like a spiritual resume of these are my gifts and talents. God's saying, I'm not looking at that. Get some sobriety to your estimation of yourself and ask yourself, not what can you do? What are you doing? This text is literally saying the measurement of your importance is not what you might do, but what you are doing. I can sing really, really well, but I won't sing in the choir. I only will be a lead worship leader, right? Well, in God's mind, you actually don't sing because he gave you talent and you're not using it. So then God is looking at our fruitfulness, at our effectiveness. That's what he is looking at. And the Bible's saying, man, we better get that really clear in our minds. And that's a setup for verse four and verse five, which says we all belong to each other. And then starting in verse six, this passage is saying, so use that gift as God expects you to use it. So this is this, is this three passages, and you can see how they layer the same content together. The Bible, I wanted to read out three chapters essentially to get it clear in all of our minds. These three points, every person has a gift. God gave you that gift. And He expects us to use that gift to build His church. He is looking for an active company of believers. He's looking for people that are playing a role. He's looking at you and me, and He's saying, do something. Be a part of the team. Use your gift. So let me talk to you about three reasons, just bringing this to a a close. Why should you use your gift? Why should we use our gift? Number one, because my gift is essential to the church. Man, this is what these three passages are saying for us. Without each one of us using our gift, the church will not become what God wants it to become. 
It will not be mature. It will not be complete. It will not reach its full potential. We will not reach the full measure of what God has for the church unless every person is doing something, doing what God's called them to do. My gift is essential for the church, not meaning Cameron, I'm meaning me, you, us, everybody today. We are essential to the church. These three passages say two things, just over and over and over again. You are amazing, that's what it's saying. Number one, you've got a special gift, you've got a talent, we're all amazing, and you are here to serve others. And we've got to use that gift and talent God gave us to serve other people. Man, there is a difference between using your gift and thinking that you are God's gift. And God isn't looking for people who think they're God's gift. He's looking for people who are saying, I'm gonna use my gift. I'm only, we only ever use God's gift when we serve one another. That's what He's saying, serve one another. God gave you a gift so you can help each other out. God gave you a gift so that you could build His church. God gave you a church so you could be a blessing to somebody else. It's the overwhelming theme of the New Testament. At Arise, there are literally right now 72 different ways that people can be part of the team and help us to reach more people with the love of God. We grow larger every Sunday as people find Jesus. We grow more whole as we do life with one another. And we grow more able to grow larger and more whole when people join up and become part of the team. So let me talk to you about uh, 10 different ways. In fact, if you've got a smartphone today, I give you permission just to go onto the Arise website. I, I had it preloaded on mine, but literally it says, this is Arise. And if you click on the next major tab, it says, join the team. It's on, it's on the sub thing on, on the screen right now. And then if you scroll down uh, and just click a way that we can respond to you, either by phoning you or texting you or whatever, it then will give you 10 different areas that you can be involved in in the life of Arise in broad strokes. Administration, production, creative arts, life groups, children, youth, welcome and hospitality, community, that's the external community, making a difference in the life of, of the less fortunate, uh, venue operations, and prayer. 10 different ways, and within them, a, a total of 72 that come under those 10 categories. We would love to help every person become part of the team. Why? Because God gave you a gift. He expects you to use that gift so that together we can change this world and be a blessing to many people who are yet to discover the love of God. Number two, not only should I use my gift because it's essential to the church, we should use our gift because it's an entrustment given to us by God. And God's gonna ask us what we did with that entrustment. The parable of the talents is a story of our gift. When, when the Bible says that the, the master, which is a picture of God, gave two people talents. He gave to one five, another two, another one, and a different gospel, 10, five, and one. The story is different people, different entrustments. But then the Bible says the master disappears, and when he comes back, he says, hey, guys, so what did you do with that? What did you do with that? And the gift that God has given to us, He will hold us account for what we did with it. 
Now let's get it clear. When Jesus comes back, that's what's talking about when it says when the master returns, Jesus will come back. Everybody is gonna reach a finite point in their life that's here in this talk today. We will all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you have Jesus in your life, God won't judge you for what you did. He won't. The grace of God and the cross of Jesus covers all our wrong. Who's who's happy for that today? I'll tell you what God will ask you though. Not what did you do. He will hold us account for what we didn't do. He will ask us, if I gave you a gift, what did you use it for? If I entrusted you with a talent, did you put it to work? He will ask us what we did with this life he has given to us. So we should use our gift, firstly, because it's essential to the church. Secondly, because you're getting on the right side of a conversation you're gonna have with God at the end of your life. And the third reason why we should use our gift, guys, let's just make this real clear, because heaven and hell are real. We are not playing tiddlywinks around here. This is, this is not just jobs for the boys. We didn't get all dressed up for nothing, is what it says in Braveheart, and it's especially true of the church. We are not here just going through motions. We are not playing games. Heaven and hell are spiritual realities and God does not want anyone to go to hell. God did not send His Son into the world that the world might die, but that we might live. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. Heaven, God wants us to invest our lives, our gifts, our talents in plundering hell and in populating heaven. That is why we are here. That's the purpose for the church. That's what it's all about. Is that not right? So God is saying, man, use this life. Use your gift. Use our talent so that together we can empty hell and so that together we can make a difference for God and see people come to know Christ. That is what it is all about. And I believe that God's looking at us, church, and He's saying, number one, I gave you something and you are, you are essential to the church. Number two, God is saying, not only that, I'm gonna ask you one day what you did with it. And number three, everything else in our lives is wood, hay, and stubble, but heaven and hell are real. And we better make sure that we're living this life with the end goal in mind that we are here to make a difference in the life of somebody else. Amen? Amen. You know, people sometimes say, as the band comes and join me in in every location right now, uh, people sometimes say to me, you know, John, well, I I used to serve in a church, but, you know, it was just difficult or whatever. I wasn't valued or people didn't, you know, the rosters weren't. There's a myriad of reasons that people can really harbor and say, well, I'm just gonna take a back seat, you know? Well, here's the thing. No church is perfect. And this one's not perfect because I'm in it and because you're in it, pal. There's a lot of, lot of flawed people here, you know? There's no such thing as a perfect church. And there's certainly no such thing as a perfect system. If everything's being done by volunteers, which pretty much around here it is, then things are not going to be necessarily perfect. But there is such a thing as the perfect cause. And the gospel and the church is the perfect cause. So I don't wanna be a sideline sitter critiquing the process. I wanna be an on the field participator saying, man, I'm gonna use my gift and talent to the very best that I can to see hell emptied and heaven full. 
to see our communities touched, see lives blessed, to see God's eternal plan at work. Who's with me today? I said, who's with me today? Come on, let's give God some praise together this morning. Amen, amen. Hey, let me just, as we're closing this, let me just throw out three things because we're moving on to another series next week. Number one, how can you use your gift effectively? The first way is you can know who you are. You know, know who you are. The best way you can use your gift effectively is to know who you are. People ask me all the time, uh, how do I know what God's called me to do? How do I know His gift? I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now what your gift, what your calling is. Do you want to know? God's will for every person, God's call for every person is to become more like Jesus. And God's every desire for you, which is part of the same thing, is that you would love people more purely and wholeheartedly. That's what God wants for you. So then how do you work out what your gift is? I'll tell you, what flourishes in your hand. You don't need a supernatural moment where God says, Africa, you know, whatever, you know, get done in worship, you know. Stop looking for that. And instead, just get on the field. Get on the field. Just, just wake up and go, man, no matter what I'm going to do today, make me more like Jesus as I do it. And help me to love people more purely as I do it. And then, try stuff. And what flourishes in your hand is the gift God's given to you. My boy wanted to play rugby. Played rugby for three years. The problem is, he's nine years old right now. At the moment, I'm literally hoping to find half an hour this afternoon to buy him new jeans. He has size 12 jeans and he's grown out of all of them. Can't, can't wear a single pair of jeans in our house. He's massive, my son. He's above and beyond normality for his age group. So when he plays rugby, they're all like, be a forward, be a forward, be a forward. Problem? He thinks like a back. So he wants to play fullback, but he can't change directions very quickly because he's all gumby because he's too big for his age. So he falls over all the time. So I sat down with him. I said, son, you need to change. Stop playing rugby. Play soccer. Just give it a try. So he plays. He's born to be a defender. He's big. He's wide. Can take a hit. And he thinks defensively. Try stuff. If it goes well, that's what God's got for you. If it doesn't go well, that's just because it's not what God's got for you. Don't get stressed out about it. Keep going. Love people, find a new fit. Number two, know what you're not. Just work out what you're good at and what you're, what you're not good at. Stop looking at somebody else's Instagram feed. Be willing to do what God wants you to do and not what you see somebody else doing. Oh man, key point, a lack of willingness to conform to what we want, to conform what we want to be with what God is asking us to do, just lifts God's grace off us. If you're like, man, you know, I want to be that. I want to, I want to be that. And God's like, no, 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 I want you to do that. Then just watch what it's like to try and do anything without God's hand over you. And then thirdly, just remember that everything is just about blessing somebody else. Just bless people, man. That's all God wants from you and me, is that we just live a life that blesses others. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.